impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization, reaching millions of people, changing your life. And today I have something that is a little bit different and is awesome. Craig Brown is joining us and Craig has a book coming out. It's called Stop Hiding, Start Healing, From Cocaine to Freedom. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But if you suffer from imposter syndrome, if you have a bunch of shame, you're constantly telling people that you are something different than you are, or maybe you have a hard time putting yourself out there, I have a feeling today's podcast is going to be for you. Craig, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Steve, I'm great. Thank you for having me. No problem. I am super excited. Um, we are going to jump into it. So this journey started for you around 30 years ago when cocaine was definitely in its heyday. I remember watching uh, Cocaine Cowboys. I don't know if you ever saw that documentary. I know all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to let you like, where did this all start for you? Um, it's well, that's a great question. That's a great question. Like all of us, we couldn't choose our family, right? That we were born into. And a lot of us had interesting situations in that family life. I, my dad was a minister. Uh, um, our family always had to be on. I was one of those preacher's kids that had the reputation. Um, my sisters and I grew up in that. Let's make, let's make Father Brown look real good and always be on, even though we're in pain and we hate this and we don't want anything to do with it. But no, we're going to make Dad look good. Our whole identity was Father Brown. And my mom was a wonderful enabler who did everything to make that family look good. And it was just a bunch of pressure, you know, that was put on us at a very early age. We had no identity other than our father. Yeah. And, you know, and he was not involved really in my life at all. And so my sisters and I actually, after the fact, realized that we kind of um, brought ourselves up. You know, uh, my dad really wasn't involved in my life. I was a good athlete, didn't come to games. I just had a void, you know, and I was just searching uh, for something. And, you know, I just, I'd never developed that self-discipline or that, um, uh, you know, that self-control or that identity, that mission and purpose early on. And I searched for it and I found it, but it was not a healthy uh, discovery by any means. Well, I mean, I don't know. I dated a preacher's daughter and I'll say that she was 10 times crazier than most of the girls that I dated at the time. She uh, she had a wild streak. But I think part of that is, I mean, I grew up in the church as well. Um, we went to church five times a week. We were always at church and like, you better look good. You better sit in the pew. My mom would stare at me from choir if I was misbehaving. Oh, man. But it was all about what well, was all about the the appearance. Right. So. That's that gives me a good preframe. If you didn't grow up in the church and you're wondering what we're talking about, like 
when you grow up with with strict Christian parents, they want you to do, be, act, behave a certain way. That's so right. That led to you, obviously, maybe not rebelling, but you 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 went down a different path. So you woke up one day and what? You're in a hotel room with a bunch of craziness going on. Like what? How? What happened next? Well, um, again, I, I you know I was searching. I I wasn't getting it at home. Uh, I didn't have a relationship there uh, really, and so I had to go find it. And so I started drinking in high school, you know, going to the parties and what have you, uh, graduated from high school. And it was the first time in my life where I had independence and I was set free. And I, I, I went off to college and I spent the entire year at the party. And that's really where my pit of hell began. And I just went down a path uh, that was uh, self-destructive. Um, you know, I blamed everybody else, including God, and I didn't take any responsibility whatsoever. And I ended up, you know, dropped out of college and I came back home in Washington, D.C. And I started working at a, at a local bar and the bar happened to be owned by the, the biggest cocaine dealer on the East Coast at that time. Now, if you're familiar at all, the early 80s, all over the country, cocaine was absolutely dominant in every party lifestyle. And so I ended up with this business uh, as a bar restaurant. He owned it, ran a major drug trade, major drug trade. And I got sucked up into that drug world and cocaine, alcohol, you name it. I'm not, we don't have time to share all the graphic details and I won't, but it was absolutely horrible. And I ended up in the pit of hell for a number of years. I was one of those, uh, you know, I'm in it and I'm looking around going, what am I doing here? But at the same time, I keep using and I keep the cycle going. I love what you're describing as the imposter. I, well, I was a total imposter, man. I was hiding from everything, everything. And I just, uh, and I, I was in that environment uh, until that time came where the epiphany happened a number of years later. And I realized I was either going to die or be on this path of destruction for the rest of my life. And I better do something to change. Well, I want to, I want to point out something that you said in there that you didn't take any responsibility. You didn't take responsibility for your problems in college. You didn't take responsibility for being stuck in a lot of bad situation, right? Like it's one thing to work at a bar. I worked at a bar, I managed restaurants, um, yeah. nothing wrong with that at all. But then there are things that happen. And you have to either take responsibility and say, that's not, that's what I want for my life or that's what I don't want. So what exactly. was the moment where you had the the epiphany where you were like, I mean, for lack of a better term, I think a lot of people call it the, uh, the come to Jesus moment. I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but what uh, happened? That, that came seven years after the epiphany, actually, uh, the come to Jesus. And that was, that was absolutely overpowering and miraculous that happened. But. My first epiphany was, I re again, chap my first chapter in the book, the pain in my life was greater than my fear of changing. And the pain was just uh, unbearable. And I just, uh, the shame, the guilt, the trauma, everything. I've, I've been through car wrecks in the hospital, guns pulled on me. I mean, it was just absolutely uh, one situation after another. And then in about 1985, I came to that realization 
that if I didn't change, I was going to end up dead or on this life of destruction for the rest of well, my was life. There, I mean, was there a moment that like, did you wake up in a hospital bed? Did you, no, somebody no. pulled a gun on you? Like no, what but, happened? Uh, believe it or not, I was uh, driving back from the beach. Uh, been up for three days. We've been partying and I was coming up route 50. If you're from uh, with, on, the, on the East coast here in Maryland, coming back from the beaches, route 50 and I was just on route 50 and I just had that overwhelming epiphany. And what, what we don't realize, Steve, a lot of people don't realize that God, God's hand is on us at all times. It's there. We don't realize it though. We don't realize it until we get to that point where we do cry out and say, come in and take over my life. So I didn't do it then, but I did uh, he, he was, he was there and I thought I did it myself. So I extricated myself from that whole drug lifestyle and drinking and everything. And I was clean for, and sober, getting my life back on track for about seven years, but I was still miserable because the trauma, the shame, the emotion, the everything that I had gone through, I had felt, uh, I, it, I was, I, I was an imposter. I hid, I, Oh no, I'm not going to deal with it. Too painful, too painful. And then the next step happened. So talk to me. Okay. So let's talk about, I want to talk about overcoming shame because I feel like so many people like hide who they really are. Right. Um, there have been, if, if you guys are listening to this and you're like, tell me a little bit more. If you go back and you listen to the Carrie Cardozo podcast, we talk about when you just stand up and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm done saying like making up who I am. This is who I am. This is what I do. And this is how I do it. Love me or hate me. And most people will love you, but there's nothing wrong with having a hater or two or somebody who doesn't disagree with you. But how did you stand up and do that? Like what gave you the poise to do that? Well, yeah, yeah. I love, I have, I want to check out that podcast. Um, uh, shame comes from the pit of hell comes straight from the pit of hell and it's used to keep really good people in bondage and locked up from going to get help and from going to change their life from, from taking the next step to get well. It, it just, that's how inhibiting it is. That's what a stronghold it is in a lot of our lives. My shame was broken when I was, uh, as I mentioned, seven years after that epiphany, I was at my dad's bedside. My sister called and he was dying in the hospital. And I, I, we all rushed to be by his bedside. And here's the one guy I had no relationship with. We were not close, loved him, loved him, but we did not have a deep, meaningful, personal, nurturing relationship. But so I, the Lord brings me by his bedside and I'm standing there. My entire life passes before me, literally. And I, my dad's going to die, and I've made no, nothing of my life. I, I felt like a complete failure. So what happened was, Lord, uh, here I'm brought to his bedside, the one guy I long to have a relationship with, and he's going to be taken from me. And it was too much. The pain, the trauma, the shame, the guilt had built up to that point where I had where I completely surrendered. And the very next day. I cried out to God. I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, you have to commit, take this pain from me. Take this burden from me. Come over, come in and take over my life. And he did. And it was miraculous. So you, but, but he's the one that can, 
can take the shame. He is the one that's able to reach the soul, reach and take the, and shatter that shame that has our heart just wrapped and soul wrapped in bondage. Well, talk to me a little bit. So I want to go, I mean, it sounds like we're following the course of your book. Um, so what happened? Like, what did you, what happened? Where did you start going? Because you left being a bartender, you left drugs and alcohol behind, you had cleaned up, but you obviously didn't feel like you were living your purpose. You didn't feel like no, you were, no. you were moving forward. So Miserable. what, what happens next? Like, how do you, what happened? I, well, uh, that my whole life changed in that after I, I prayed for like over an hour. And it literally, when I stood up, I was the di I was different Craig Brown than I was when I knelt down. My whole perspective changed. Everything changed. So I then began my recovery. And I then was living and started on a track of, now it's, it's fourfold, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Okay? In every area of my life, I began to recover. I began to heal. I began to be restored. I began to find my mission and purpose in life. I began, you know, I began on a new track. And I went from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness. And I've been doing that now, Steve, for the last 35 years. Nice. 28 of, 28 of which has been, you know, in, a, in my, on that spiritual path, that relationship with the Lord path, and also 22 years in Christ Center Recovery Ministry, serving in that capacity. Got it. So I guess I'm like people that are listening to this because this is religion's not something we normally talk about on the show, but I'm happy to happy to have you here and happy to be talking about it. So I'd love to hear because I think a lot of people, entrepreneurs out there, right, they have a hard time finding their voice. They have a hard time talking about things because they feel like it's shame. Right. So when you when you were at your dad's bedside, you felt a lot of shame because you felt like your life hadn't amounted to anything. Exactly. But the next day after praying for an hour, nothing, none of that changed, right? You're not suddenly like, oh my goodness, my life has this amazing backstory to it or anything. Well, like I had that. to do the, I had to start doing work. So talk to me about doing the work because I think that's where people, people are like, what do I do next? What do I do? How do I do it? So okay. do you have, go ahead. I got a manual step-by-step step. now. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, generally, I I'm convinced that the catalyst for people to, to, to have a major life change is pain. Pain mm -hmm. is a major, major catalyst. Shame is in there, guilt is in there, failure's in there, you name it. So um, I, had, I, had, I found a, a Bible-believing church. I found where uh, a church that where I, I knew, listen, I grew up in the church. I loved growing up in the church, but I had no idea about a relationship with God. There was a 1928 prayer book, really good. And I'm sure there were seeds planted, you know, yeah. but they didn't come to fruition until I had to make the decision based on my trauma, my pain, et cetera. But I, that's when I began to recover. And that means I was, First time in my life, honest with myself, honest with God, honest with other people. I took responsibility. I wasn't lying anymore. I wasn't being an imposter anymore. I was uncovered now. 
right? The, the, the mask I wore for years, I took it off. I revealed the true me. And you're talking to entrepreneurs and CEOs and other business people. You know how many masks they have to wear? You well, know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to be vulnerable. Well, listen to Brene Brown and all her podcasts and TED Talks. All she talks about is vulnerability. Well, I had to be trans. Yeah. I had to be transparent. I had to be vulnerable. Right. Well, I, I had to step people, forward. People are so scared that if they're vulnerable or if they're honest that, oh, my goodness, people might not like me or they might see that I'm not as great. And like they see all these people out there that do all the things and they want to be like that. So I want to go back and I want to talk. You, we talked about, you have to own it. You have to take responsibility. Totally. For, you can't for, dabble in it. Right. You no. have to say, this is who I am, but I want to talk about the pain specifically. So I don't know who the first person was that shared this with me, but it makes a lot of sense. If you have a scale that's a zero to 10, what happens is people are almost never at above an eight and the zero is like lots of pain and 10 is unbelievable happiness. Most people are going to say that they're at a six or a seven, maybe a five. But the thing is that pain, you either have to be in an eight, nine or 10 and fall down a little bit and be like, what do I do to get back there? Or you have to fall below about a three and be in a lot of pain. If you're at like a four, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're probably going to complain a lot, but you're not going to actually take action because it's not quite painful enough. If you're at like a six or a seven, you're like 90% of Americans. You're kind of stuck in mediocrity of yeah. it doesn't yeah. suck, but it's not great. I went to work today. I came home. I ate some chicken. It was great. Okay. Next day, rinse, repeat, right? And then you wake up and 20 years have gone by. I think it's yes. much better to yes. go out and do something and take action. It might lead to a lot of pain, but then it's going to lead to you eventually reaching the top. But do you agree with that? What's your, I, totally. I just laid out. Totally agree with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, change, true, true change does not happen unless it is driven by, and, and pain could be um, wrapped in failure. You know, pain can be wrapped in absolute deep guilt. Pain can be wrapped in and included with shame. And it it's a, it's a well, you have a choice. Either going to, I had a choice. I'm just going to medicate this pain and keep medicating the pain, keep medicating the pain, hide the pain, hide the pain, hide the pain, and be mm -hmm. a complete mess the rest of my life. Or I'm going to make it, or I'm going to get to the point and allow that pain to, to be a catalyst for me to change my life forever, change my business plan forever, change my marriage forever, change these relationships forever. It can be a beautiful catalyst when it's handled in a healthy way. But I totally get the pain thing. It's, it is a scale. My, the barometer I use or the, uh, the guide I use is, you know, if your pain is, and here's your fear, and we all have fear. Everybody deals with fear. And I've always told people in the ministry, everything's on the, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Mm -hmm. So here's fear, but that pain level, it just keeps increasing, increase. And once it surpasses that fear, and you're talking about, oh, maybe we're doing it backwards, and it's down yeah. to that one, two level, you're, you're man, I, what do I need to do to change? What fear do I goes out the window when you have to survive, right? No, yes. No, it does. Oh, it completely goes. And you talk about, you mentioned embarrassment. 
everybody's embarrassed would be embarrassed to come out and say, you know, you didn't think I was 28 years ago or how many years ago? See, I'm a, I'm a total failure, drunk, you know, cocaine guy. You didn't think there was shame associated with that or I was inhibited somewhat because it is embarrassing. Not anymore. That goes right. away. And what people have to realize is that who cares what other people think? If you need to get well, get well. If you need to change, change. Who cares what other people think? You know what I mean? Well, but go ahead. Well, I mean, nine times out of 10, we we have this thing in our head. This is something that I tell people, like, we think other people are are doing things because of our actions or they're going to respond or they're going to react. Dude, they're so busy living their own life. They might say something. They might be like, oh, that dude's crazy or I wonder what that is. But who cares? Because like the conversation that you're having in your mind about what they're saying about you is 50 times worse than the conversation that they're going to have. If they even have a conversation, most people yeah. are just so busy run, doing their own thing. Yeah. Like who cares? But, but you have but to. When, yeah. But when you're in the position as a <clears throat> business owner, CEO, leader, right? You yeah. know who hide the most? Pastors. You know where, you know where the easiest place to hide? Church. Oh, everything's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's go worship, take notes, serve, have coffee. Oh, my goodness, Steve. I've seen it for, you know, years. People go to high instead of heal. Pastors hide behind their pulpits. Pastors hide. They're struggling, and they want to hide. Oh, I don't want anybody to know I'm, you know, dealing with this or that or this well, issue. People, or Yeah, if people, if they did, I mean, one of the things that I've, I don't know, my my dad and I talked about it was like all the, all the problems in the church around like cheating husbands, like adultery, right. all that. Right? right. But the reason that I feel like that happens is because they can't talk about it to anybody. If they could talk about sex openly, like all hell would break loose. Pardon. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like they would be, that's what they think in their head. They're like, how do I deal with this? And then, but what, what ends up happening is eventually it comes out somewhere. Right. Oh, yeah, it will. Uh, the biggest, the listen, business owners, leaders, CEOs, top, you know, we're talking about high level, including pastors. They're lonely. Yeah. They're flat out lonely because they don't have anybody that they can really talk to. And Steve, that's dangerous. It's Absolutely. really, you're setting yourself up. And you talk about imposters. I mean, that's what, that's exactly what they are trying to put on this facade and, and, and what have you. But deep down, you know, they don't have anybody where they can have deep, meaningful conversations with. Or Now, the, the healthy ones do. They have good accountability and a sounding board of people they can go to that are safe and they can trust. But that's missing in so many different areas within business, ministry, you know, you name it. So let's just I want to. I want to kind of wrap this up because I think there's you've shared a lot of things with us when somebody comes to you and they're they've been struggling with stuff for a while. And what's the first like one, two step to just get them to open up a little bit, maybe to be a little bit vulnerable and to actually start revealing who they really are and stop hiding in shame. What's the first step that you give somebody to help moving forward or something yeah, that the well, listeners can do at home? Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is, you know, no one's going to be able to force you to take that step. You 
us, you and I, we're, we have to take that step. We have to be the ones. The biggest fear you have, though, is opening up to someone uh, that you where you have a hard hard time trusting, and you don't you don't know if they're safe or not. You don't know if they'll hold if they have a high regard for confidentiality. And once you find that, you know, and that's why I tell folks, I said, enter in to that environment where you can find safe people, trusted people to be able to share and share what's going on in your life. Now, when I, over the last 22 years of ministry, where I have, you know, interacted with people, I just start asking questions. I ask questions and I just want to listen. And that's all they want. People that are struggling, all they want is someone to, to listen. And you have to find someone safe, trusted, that will just listen to you. And, and it should be in, and I can speak about Christ Center Recovery. That's one of the most beautiful places you could go, safest places you could go. It's not perfect, mind you, or a good church or a good where they have ministries and support and other groups and offer counseling and pastoral care. That's your first step is to be put yourself in an environment like that where you have people around you that love you unconditionally, aren't there to judge you, are not there to fix you, and are not going to be there to condemn you. They just want to help you. Why? Because they have empathy. The people that are there to help you, like myself, we've been to the pit of hell and back. We understand, and we're there to listen and help. So taking that first step is a is a made it's it's a big one because there's so much fear, and also, you know, embarrassment, shame involved. Mm-hmm. But you've got to get over that. I encourage, I implore your listeners, those that may be struggling, find a good Christ centered environment uh, or or a recovery environment. You know, depending on your likes and what you're comfortable with, right? There's a wonderful ministry called Celebrate Recovery. It's all over the country. It's all over the world. It's in every, every, most every uh, state. And that's a Christ-centered recovery environment. Step foot in the door. Takes a lot of courage, ton of courage, but you need a network. You need a network. You've tried it on your own. Your best thinking got you there and you've tried it to control it and it's not working. So find that network of individuals to help you, hold you accountable, be there for a relationship and to listen and pray for you. Awesome. I think that's, I mean, I do think that it would, it would take an immense amount of courage, but I think what's waiting on the other side of it, having somebody, I mean, unconditional kind of wrapping this back to the relationship you had with your parents, like unconditional love and acceptance and having somebody that you can share with. And that isn't expecting you to act a certain way for whatever you do gives you the ability to realize that like, you don't have to be perfect in the world. You don't have to always have the answer. You don't have to, I mean, for, for CEOs, for pastors, for anybody that's in a position of leadership, we're always counted on to have the answer, right? And to suddenly be able to say, I don't have the answer, or I don't need to have the answer, or I just need to sit here and chat about something is huge. I have a side question to this because I think, I think a lot of people look for this in their marriage in in whoever they're dating whoever they're with and they have a challenge i know i know i've seen relationships go this way where it starts off everything is great right but it's two imperfect people leading to an imperfect relationship always so how do 
Do you have any tips for people who are in a relationship on how to strengthen that relationship? Because this, honestly, that would be the number one place that they could get this, right? In their house, just to have true open communication about something. Do you have any tips that you would give people in a relationship to strengthen their relationship? Yeah, uh, if, if I were in charge of marriage counseling, uh, it would not be a nice three-week stent, meet with the pastor, meet with this couple, and then you're good to go. I, I They would not want to be in my uh, – You good? Uh, yeah, I think I lost you there. Where did you go? Oh, there you go. Somehow it disappeared. Here I am. <laughs> no worries. Uh, they would not want me to handle their marriage counseling because it would be about six months. And I would ask some of the toughest questions that they would ever had ever been asked because uh, marriage is so awesome. So awesome. When both couple, when, when both individuals are transparent, vulnerable, open, honest about their struggles, about their past, about their fears, about, you know, their, their, their family life that they had, you have to be, I implore people to, be open and honest with each other. What happens so often in marriages and why there's that 50% divorce rate, even in churches, um, is uh, just just that, just that. Uh, they're two imposters, right? Two people hiding. And they're so, and some, but sometimes one spouse will know the other one's bringing in some addiction or bringing in some issues or bringing in, you know, this baggage or that baggage or what have you. And, um, you know, but they overlook it. Oh, I can change him. Oh, I can, I can fix him. I can fix her. You know, never works. Never works. We can't fix about, anybody. No, people can't fix people. No, absolutely not. There's only one and he's far better equipped than we are, but it's about being brutally honest with each other. I mean, uh, and again, you know, it's, um, and it's, you know, that honesty, that transparency, that vulnerability, and without embarrassment, shame, condemnation, to be able to say, you know, I, I'm I'm struggling in this area, but I think it's best I, you know, we work on this before. But people are, you know, they're all so in love and oh my gosh, the wedding dress and the photographer and all that gets lost. And then, you know, it's so much different, Steve, walking down the aisle than it is walking up and walking down. It's if you haven't dealt with it yet, you will de deal with it at some point in time if you've left it hidden. Well, I think, I mean, I want to point this out because I honesty in a relationship is paramount. You should definitely paramount. be honest, but that does not mean you you hurt me or I'm annoyed with you or like it's not about blaming the other person. It's about transparency and talking about and really being vulnerable. So instead of blaming somebody for something and saying, when you do X, I feel this way because exactly. and having a real conversation around it, that's a lot different than because I've seen people say, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest that 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 you piss me off or that no well, no that no. doesn't do it yeah that's great that doesn't do any good yeah nobody pisses you off except for yourself but that's a whole different topic so Craig I want to bring this around to the end I know you have a book um, if you have found this interview enlightening and you would like to learn more about it Craig tell us about your book a little bit uh, 
Stop Hiding, Start Healing. You can find it on Amazon, uh, Stop Hiding, Start Healing, or my website, uh, Stop Hiding, Start Healing Book.com. Um, I was prompted th- this past June. Uh, it's been on the back burner, kind of. I didn't know what title. I kind of knew what I might put in it, but it wasn't until this past June and I was prompted to start it. And I did. I just sat there. I'm not never looked at myself as a writer or an author. Uh, but, you know, the Lord had another idea. He just said it. You, it's about time you shared. And I shared, you know, not all my story, but some of my story and stories of others, too. But it's just a, a, a book, a step by step process of coming out of hiding and start healing. You know, why do we hide? You know, what, what, how do we get rid of our character defects and shortcomings? You know, find another family. If that family that you grew up with wasn't the best, well, you can find another one. And they may not be biological, but they're going to be spiritual brothers and sisters to help you and be there for you. You know, uh, create a new past. It's one of the chapters. You can create a new past. If your old one was, uh, was absolutely horrible, Today, you can start a new one. And a year from now, you're going to look back and you have a brand new year of a new past by dealing with the old one. No, it's just a, it's a book that uh, should be, a, a I pray it's a beacon of hope for someone and just a resource to help anybody. And it's not just, you know, addiction. It's whatever's keeping us from what God wants us to be. You know, he has a mission and purpose for each and every one of us. And sometimes we lose it, sight of it in the pain and the, and the challenge that we're in. And you can be an overcomer and you can be set free. And that's my prayer. Awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your message with us. Um, I think that getting out of shame and getting pulling the mask off and actually being who you yes. are, it's going to help you feel better as a person. It's going to help you if you're in the world of business, do more business, connect with more yes. people authentically. But at the end of the day, it's just going to help you feel like a better person. Cause you touched yes. on this just for a second, but you were, you were in a lot of shame 28 years ago when you were having this moment by your dad's bedside. But imagine if you had not taken a step forward, how much worse would the shame be today? Oh, absolutely. If oh you're my gosh. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, it'll get better tomorrow or it'll get better next week. There are so many people who spend their entire lives um, just looking at what what they wish they could do or what they wish they could be. Right. This is your wake up call right here. Big, big wake. We're all we're all society procrastinators. Like you said, all of a sudden, 20 years go by and I'm the same. Why? We don't want that. You you have the opportunity every second of every day every day to change to you know and to be set free you do awesome well craig thank you so much for coming on if you are listening to this podcast make sure you go check out his book on amazon it will also be linked down in the show notes for you and until next time everyone take action change lives and make money we'll see you soon Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people, and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to deathtobadwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show, and we'll see you next time.